Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Come on in, guys, and welcome to the first episode of Worth Potting For. I'm John Avino, and I'm sure many people who have hosted Survivor Podcasts have said, come on in, guys, as the opening line. So I'm only going to do that for this first episode. Welcome to the Ultimate Reward Challenge Fantasy Survivor League official podcast. A little bit of background about myself. I am a sports um, broadcaster in the Boston area. Right now I have a lot of downtime because sports have been canceled due to uh, COVID-19 right now. So I figured why not, uh, you know, discuss something that I have really, really liked for a long time, Survivor. I've watched every season um, for the most part. I don't think I've missed any episodes. Um, Definitely went back and rewatched most seasons. Um, And at this point, for me, it has turned into a bit of a passion. I do like Survivor a lot. It's one of my favorite shows, if not my favorite TV show. Uh, I don't watch too much TV. I definitely don't watch a lot of reality TV, but... To me, this is a little bit different. It's not quite, you know, The Bachelor. It's not quite, um, you know, The Kardashians. And not that I'm knocking anybody who likes those shows, but to me, this is more of a game show type feel. Um, and the, the strategy is a lot of fun to watch. But anyway, I won't waste too much time on that because since this is the first episode I'm doing, I'm going to briefly give my thoughts on the season so far. Next week, I'll most likely just move, you know, week-to-week format, recapping only the previous episode, maybe talking about a couple of things that have previously happened. But, you know, today we have now made eight episodes in. Um, Usually, I believe they have about 13 or 14 episodes per season. So we are, you know, just past the halfway mark um, of total episodes to be aired Uh, And it's been really good so far. I mean, if you're a fan of Survivor, if you have watched a lot of the seasons where a lot of these winners have come back from, uh, you can really appreciate the gameplay. Um, Obviously a big theme, and I did get a couple of people who sent in some feedback and wanted to talk about some things this week. Uh, One of the biggest things that I got feedback on was the old school versus new school thing, which has obviously played a role Uh, more than maybe people thought it would and I think there's a big reason for that Um, you know at least now I don't know if coming in it was the thing but I think you know we saw the trend after Natalie was the original one voted out which seemed kind of like a I don't want to call it a panic vote but they'd been there for two days you don't have too much you know legging in the ground we got Rob and Parvati on that second day we're kind of joking about how they didn't feel any target on them whatsoever which is kind of crazy um, and then Natalie gets voted out, but after Natalie, you have this string of Amber, Danny, Ethan, Tyson, Rob, Parvati, Sandra, and then Yule, who were voted out, and they were all the vote outs up until the merge, and they are all the old school players, and I don't really like how they've categorized old school and new school, so to speak. I get what they're saying, basically anybody who played for the first time before season 20 is old school, but... In reality, if you look at the seasons that these guys won, you know, Rob didn't win until season, uh, what was it, 22, Redemption Island. Tyson didn't win until season 27, which was Blood vs. Water 1, where they brought back the Returners with their family members. Uh, And you had players like Sophie, Kim, Denise, who won seasons 23, 24, 25. And while they had all only played one time previously, before coming back this season, you know, there's still that sense of, okay, Tony, uh, Tyson and Rob played in those, you know, mid-20 seasons, and that's when they won. So it's not like their game has been set so differently apart uh, because they did at least get through those errors. And, I, you know, I've heard on other podcasts and other, you know, pieces of media on Survivor that has been talked about that, you know, 
there's kind of three divisions that they should be talking about. There's the pre-20s, there's the 20s, and then there's the 30s. Because, you know, the pre-20s would still be all the players that were voted out already, right? You have uh, Amber, who won season 8 originally on the first season. You have Danny, who won Guatemala, what, season 11. Ethan won season 3. Tyson, uh, you know, we talked about him. He won season 27. He first appeared in Token Chains, um, which was... I believe season 17, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 18, sorry, 17 was Gabon. Um, but you know, he was in 17, came back for 20 and then didn't win till 27. And then you have guys like Yule who only played one time in 13. Um, he came back, uh, for the first time, uh, as a, as a returning player, um, who am I missing here? Sandra obviously won seasons seven and 20, her original season poverty played all of her seasons in the teens and then season 20 so i get what they're trying to do making this a main point but i don't think it holds much water i mean jeremy is one of those guys who played season 29 and then he played in season 31 uh you know so those are two seasons that were pretty close together as far as when they were taped but he is not you know is he considered older school or mid school or whatever you want to call it because you know, he hasn't really necessarily played with any of the crazy advantages from the last couple of years. But, you know, there it is. You just don't know. And then on top of that, you have um, Michelle Fitzgerald. She won season 32, just a season after Jeremy won. Um, you know, Adam, he was 33. And that's where it starts to shift a little bit. But then Sarah is the winner of season 34. But her and Tony both first appeared in Kageon together in season 28. So... I, you know, I don't really like the whole old school, new school division thing. I get it, and I get that they're all trying to push it. Even Rob, uh, with his little pre, uh, pre-extinction pre challenge monologue, was talking about how they're all going to fight, none of them are going to give up, and how it's crazy that none of them really got any of their footing in the game. Um, yeah, I, I don't see much weight being held by that. But my theory on why it's turned into this and why it happened the way it did was because I think after the first few got rolling, people kind of realized that, guess what? Most of these people are going to be on the jury. And if we now have even one of these players go to the end, you know, that's going to be bad news for us. And, you know, I don't think that's necessarily what happened maybe with a lot of them in the in the early parts of the game. Amber was voted out because of Rob. Danny was voted out because her own alliance turned on her, so to speak, in, you know, Parvati and Rob. Uh, you know, which in hindsight, is, that's 2020. They could have kept her in the game and tried to push for somebody else. You know, Ethan was voted out because that at that point, you know, they made it a turn to, you know, there is something with the old schoolers going on. We got to get one of these people out of here and they got Ethan out of there. Tyson was voted out, maybe not for those reasons because he was trying to play a lot and he was trying to turn people on one another. And, you know, it was Sandra and Tony who kind of led the charge to get him out. So it wasn't really anybody too new school who was trying to get him out but then at that point you're looking around and you're like wait a minute now it's only rob and poverty who were going to be big targets anyway sandra was going to be a big target and then yule who was the final old schooler air quote old schooler to be voted out but at that point you really don't have a choice because if yule somehow gets through to the merge and then doesn't get voted out and makes to the final three He's most likely going to have a ton of votes already waiting for him based on who is on the edge of extinction. So, you know, I think there wasn't a lot of thought going into it early, but I think it definitely kind of snowballed and people said to themselves, you know, this is something that we have to be wary of now. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how the game now shifts. You know, you saw Wendell voted out, who is the uh, the second most recent winner, I believe. Um you know, this past week, uh, he, he won season 36, Ghost Island. Nick was the only one who won after him, who's also here uh, winning the very next season. So he's one of the newest players now, and he was voted out. So and now it, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of lines um, are, are formed because of this. Uh, you know, this is going to kind of kind of change some things. Really, it was just Wendell, Nick, and Michelle that appeared to be on the outs. There was three votes that popped up for Adam, and usually they do show you all the votes of the of the person who's not going home because there's no reason not to make it as dramatic as possible. Um, but I will say um, that I don't think that Michelle and Nick are necessarily, especially Michelle, I don't think they're necessarily out of it. I think Nick is a little bit more 
on the ropes than Michelle will be. Michelle's had some ties with other people throughout as well, like Jeremy um, early on, who I think maybe can get back in with him. And Kim, that could be like a powerful trio maybe, and maybe Denise is in there too. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here on out. It was a very interesting tribal council dynamic, a very interesting episode in general, um, you know, with with all the lead-ups to different points um, and the challenges. And, and first of all, I want to say that, not first of all, because I've been going for a while now, but the editing this season has been, in my opinion, really good. I know a lot of people are questioning, you know, the new music and the, the kind of overhaul that Survivor gave themselves with editing this season, but I'm a fan. I, I think it's been great. I think the new soundtrack is good. I think some of the editing points, some of the music cues are excellent. Um, you know, I, I in this episode in particular, there was a point when they had Adam talking about uh, how he, during his season, Millennials Gen X, in Fiji, they were evacuated because of the uh, the cyclones being there when they were there filming. And, you know, he's kind of talking about the rain and then the music comes in. And it's I don't even know how to describe what kind of beat it is, but to me, it's just like the perfect kind of kind of islandy like i don't know it just works and i think that they've done a good job with that this season and then on top of that the editing itself has just been so funny and so brilliant at times uh i do think it's been also exaggerated to a point i think the edge of extinction challenge was probably not as close as jeff and even some of the other players made it look like it was at the very end there because i mean rob got that ball all the way up there but you know, did it drop? It, it, it looked like they were at the same exact spot at that point. So my guess is what happened is that you, know, you had footage of Rob finishing that um, or getting it up that high probably because he was obviously doing it. But I also think that they kind of dr- uh, dramatized it a little bit because he never got a side-by-side shot of them, uh, which is the one thing where you can see both of them at once. So, you know, that's just a little detail. No big deal. Uh, but anyway, this episode overall, let's, I guess let's start with, or let's get into the episode now that I've talked a little bit about the season dynamics. Um, this episode was called, uh, this is where the battle begins. And usually, uh, I don't know when they started this. It wasn't like this always, but at some point, you know, not recently, it's been a while now, but they've named episodes after a line that somebody in the show says, uh, which, if you're a member of our fantasy league, you know that you get points for that. Um, if the player says it. this, might be the first time in a while, or the first time ever that I think the producers or somebody screwed this up because this is where the battle begins. Is not the exact wording that is spoken by Ben. Uh, ben actually said this is where the battle starts, and it's early on in the episode, right after the merge is announced. Um, you know, he has a cutaway, uh, an isolation shot. Um, a testimonial where he says, you know, this is where the battle starts, but the name of the episode, this is where the battle begins. So just a little, little tidbit there. No big deal. Just figured I'd point that out. Um, but yeah, so let me pull up my thoughts here on this episode because I had quite a few. It was a good one. Um, as most of them have been, uh, so they start off on edge of extinction, obviously, uh, which is no surprise because, we uh, we kind of knew coming in that this was going to be the merge episode, especially if you watch the coming attractions after the episode ends every week. Um, this episode starts off with Danny, uh, or Amber really, I think, has the first line. She says, oh boy. But then it has Danny and, and all these other people from the edge, and they're reading the scroll where they give them the options for the uh, for the, the challenge if they can spend you know a token per um, per advantage in the challenge. And... Anybody who has three can spend up to three on advantages, but Rob and, and Natalie are the only ones who have that many. Natalie had four. Rob had three of his own um, that you remember him finding them a couple episodes ago uh, when they had the four hidden on the island. So he actually gets Amber to give her or give him her fourth token or her only token to make it so that he has four. And this way, him and Natalie are both able to spend one on an advantage and then three more on an idol so natalie and rob are both clearly thinking along the lines of i think i can win this with one advantage and then if i get back in i will have security to get myself through at least the next vote um by buying this idol but in reality would they have been better served just buying three advantages and trying to get back in that way i don't know and the funny thing here is that obviously tyson did have 
the the token to buy an advantage. But he also had an, another token that he had earned previously that he spent on the peanut butter, which I'm sure everybody remembers. And, you know, that could have been another advantage for him. But, you know, the peanut butter probably helped him in this case because it gave him something to eat. And most of the time on Extinction, they don't have much to eat. Uh, you know, they hiked on top of the mountain every day for a very sh- small portion of rice, which is why Sandra famously said, you know, I'm out of here um, and kind of left. So... Uh, but yeah, anyway, they go, they, after, after they show the extinction scene and they show everybody picking their options, which everybody's able to get an advantage besides Amber after she gives up the token, uh, Yule, who had just gotten there as well as, um, Parvati, who never found one either. Um, they all, you know, they all, they cut to the, the challenge scene where Jeff brings in everybody else. From the three tribes, they merge them together. There's 11 of them. He says, here's your new buffs, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, you guys are merged. We have 11. We're about to make 12. And he introduces everybody from the Edge of Extinction, points out the fact that Sandra has left. Um, Nobody really had too big of a reaction. They do show Denise saying, wow, you know, as if to exclaim, can't believe she's gone. But I don't think anybody's too overly shocked that Sandra... Uh, decided to leave, which is something that, you know, I'll talk about for just a second here because this is something that happened previously too. And we did get somebody who wanted me to talk a little bit about Sandra and the... Uh, the With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Move that Denise made on her. Thanks, Mo, for, uh, for your thoughts on this. But anyway. Um, yeah, was it too early for Denise to make the type of move she made on Sandra? I, I think it's a good question, but I also think it's one of those questions where what is too early? Because for Denise, there might not be another opportunity like that. If she takes that idol from Sandra for the one fire token, a couple things happen. One, you know, she could have voted out Tony, which is what Sandra implied, vote out Tony or vote out Jeremy. You know, obviously Denise had other plans about Jeremy, if she had voted out Tony that night, I think Sandra still would have been okay with it, kind of understand, okay, you know, Jeremy's one of her original allies. Tony was still one of the big guys uh, in the game, and I think Sandra was looking at it, definitely looking at it as an opportunity to take one of her rivals out, one of the bigger threats, without her directly doing it. Um, didn't really calculate every part of it on her end, but if you're Denise, a couple things happen here if you if you follow through with Sandra's plan. One, you probably have to give her that other fire token that you promised her afterwards, which I know it's not the end of the world, but that's that's the most immediate and most obvious thing that came to mind. Two, you keep Sandra in the game, who has won twice. So what does that mean? It could mean good things. It could mean, okay, if I take her to the end, nobody's ever going to let her win again. But it also could mean that if she's still in the game and she does get to the end, people are going to say there's no way that a two-time winner here with 19 other winners getting to the end should not be rewarded for a third time. And maybe she does win again. So I don't blame Denise for doing what she did. Tony's game is a little bit more predictable. And even though he hasn't kind of showed his, his true game uh, colors so far, he's been a lot more funny and a lot more laid back this season than we've seen him in previous, previous seasons. I still think uh, that Denise made a smart move because you never know when you're going to get an opportunity to do something like that. And in the end, that could be something that she could point at if she gets to the final three and say, look, I made an early move in this game that maybe it was early, but it was something that defined my game. You know, I showed my loyalty to a player in Jeremy. I, you know, I showed that I'm not afraid to do the things that 
Some people might think I am. She showed that she had her own idol that she had already found, which I guess people underestimate the fact that she could even possibly have one. And on top of that, she took out the queen. So I don't think it was too early. It could be viewed as a possible... I mean, you had Sophie talking about it at the Merge Feast this week when they were recapping with Denise saying, you know, it was almost like a war story she was telling us and how she has a resume. So it definitely put people on alert. Um, but there's still a lot of other big targets out there right now. So I don't think it was, if, if somebody like Tony had done that, yeah, it would have been way too early for somebody like Tony to do that. But Denise, who I think people didn't really look at, uh, as having a huge, uh, threat threshold. And it was pointed out in that tribal council, even, which they edit these tribal councils to, to make you see the most important parts, obviously, right? They're there for a couple hours. So that thing that Sandra said, while it was all, I think acting on Sandra's part because she wanted to try and sell the fact that, you know, Denise wasn't going to be a threat to pull out an idol at that tribal council and then suddenly she was going to. I think she still, what she said definitely, you know, was taken to heart by other people there. Her thing about, you know, we know who the real threats in this game are, blah, 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 and then listed everybody basically but Denise. So, I don't know. I think uh, I think Sandra did, or Denise did the right thing by getting Sandra out of there. And then as far as Sandra leaving the edge... I know this has been a big thing, too. I don't really blame her. I, you know, it's hard for me to say that she didn't quit because she did walk away. And I think there's, you know, how many winners they didn't invite this season that would have loved to be here and loved to, the chance to to sit on the edge of extinction. Just ask Chris Underwood from the original Edge of Extinction season two seasons ago. Um, and they would have all loved the chance to get back in. But from Sandra's point of view... I mean, what did she participate in? Two or three challenges total this season before she was voted out. She's never been good at challenges. You know, she's a little bit older now. uh, And she's already won twice. So maybe she was thinking that, you know, even if she gets back in, her chances of staying in the game are not very high. Because she's not like, you know, Rob or Tyson or some of these other people who can get back in and go on an immunity run at some point to help themselves stay in. So I don't blame Sandra. I think especially and most likely probably uh, because she just got off the Island of the Idols season as well. There's not much time between seasons nowadays when they film back-to-back because they do everything in Fiji. They do it all in a you know a three-month span, basically, the 39 days and 39 days, and they have a two-week period in between um, you know, where, they, where they give them off. So it, it's tough. And I think Rob obviously being there and, and back-to-back, for him it's a little different. Um, for Sandra, I think she's, you know, she's done everything she could do in the game of Survivor. And I also loved, loved her little ode. And it was probably such a small thing that nobody but a nerd like me is going to catch it. A Survivor nerd like me. But when she was giving her little speech about leaving, she said something like, I got voted out. It's time for me to go. And I thought that was a great little nod to Jeff. Um, I know Jeff has, you know, executive producer power over the show in addition to being the host. So he makes the final say on what gets put on the 43 minutes of episodes. But I just thought it was brilliant that, you know, she said that that's her thoughts. Like I played OG survivor back in the day when you got voted out, you got voted out. That was the end of it. So yeah, I thought it was great. I, you know, the ending of Sandra's time on survivor was, was good. And then again, you have this scene where they come into the challenge and Jeff's talking about, okay, well, you know, Sandra is gone and, Nobody really seems to react too poorly, uh, but then he, you know, he turns and uh, asks asks the players from the edge, some of them, about um, you know about what time was like on the edge. Specifically, Natalie, the first one there, who says, you know, it was rough that first night getting there. There's nobody there to to hug you or to comfort you. And then he talks to Tyson, who you know, kind of gives you a real moment of Tyson for a minute. And that was the first moment where I'm like, you know, these are probably the people who are going to be in this challenge that they're showing right now. Cause he didn't bounce around to everybody. He went Natalie, he went Tyson, he went Rob. Um, and you also had Rob give his whole spiel about, you know, the old school players. None of us had a chance. We all got voted out. Um, you know, we're all going to fight to try and get back in, but I don't know. I think, uh, I think these, the edge of extinction, uh, lead up to the challenge, Again, I think it's a little bit for production reasons um, they, that they want to push this narrative of, you know, these old school players being underdogs. And I think Rob, always sensing an opportunity to get some more airtime for himself, you know, was like, let me let me take this from here. Um, 
and uh, yeah, and and he's the one who who basically connects us to the challenge. Then saying we're all gonna fight to get back in this. So then Jeff's like, all right, time to go for this challenge. Um, lines everybody up right before the before the challenge um, begins. They have, uh, you know, they he announces everybody who has the advantages, which is everybody, as I mentioned, besides Parvati, uh, Amber, and Yule. And I have mixed feelings on Yule not being able to earn it a fire token before they get to this challenge because he literally just showed up there. So in some senses, it's like, okay, Yule is, you know, he was the most recently in the game, so he had it the easiest. And if he gets back in, it's really like I was never on the edge of extinction. But at the same time... You know, if you're going to have a competition for somebody to get back into a game, anybody who's there from day one or day 20, whatever day they get voted out, should have an equal opportunity to earn at least one opportunity. So I I don't know how they could have done it. I don't know if they could have had like a morning uh, where, you know, they gave maybe just Yule an opportunity to go out and find something before. But again, that would have been unfair to everybody else who's been there for longer. So I have mixed feelings on it, but my overall thought process is, I accept it because Yule was the most recent one out of the game, and that's just the way it is. Everybody else did have a chance, uh, although I don't think Parvati really had a chance to earn one. Uh, although, no, she was there when they had that, that mad scavenge with the four fire tokens out on the island, so she did have a chance. And Amber, of course, did have one from the log-carrying challenge that she ended up giving up to Rob. Um, so this is... And that's a good, this is a good point on to Rob and Amber. Why are they such big targets? It's because they're basically a team. I mean, only one of them at this point is going to get back in. So I don't blame them for pooling their stuff together. And guess what? They're going to go right back to the edge of extinction now. And they're all going to be, they're both going to be a team again. So any tokens they find, most likely Rob is going to be the one who they, you know, end up with because they're going to deem he has the better chance to get back in and, and do whatever he does to win. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, that's, and I got a question, another question this week from Mo about why is Amber even here? <laughs> is she just a crutch for Rob? And essentially, yeah, I think that was, I think that survivor this season with winners at war, they've had a long history of doing a lot of different things. And I think they wanted to give us a little bit of everything. You know, they gave us some of the game changers. They gave us some of the, the social winners. They gave us, some of the longtime players who took a few times before they won. Uh, and they gave us a little blood versus water. I mean, they've had these things, these themes forever. Um, and while, you know, maybe that's the only one that is really prevalent because, they you know, they don't have Millennials and Gen X. They don't have, you know, Ghost Island or David Goliath. But there is a little bit of a sense of blood versus water with these two. And now it is just blood because they are playing together. So in that sense, it's different than we saw in either blood versus water season because, they are getting an opportunity to play together uh, rather than against each other. Um, you know, so the challenge goes on here, the Extinction Challenge. It's pretty close the whole way for a lot of these guys. My favorite part is probably Yule digging and saying, where the F is this thing? Uh, while he's trying to find that string. And Jeff walking around, basically, while they're all digging, or the three of them are digging, Amber, Parvati, and Yule, and basically saying, this is where the advantage comes in handy. This is why you earn these tokens. And again, if you're not going to give Yule an opportunity to earn a token, to earn an advantage, maybe don't be, you know, yelling in his face about how everybody there had a chance to earn a token and, and you know, what was you doing not getting one. Um, but anyway, challenge progresses. Rob, who is not ahead of Tyson out of the gate, does take the lead. He gets his key off the hook first by tying his bamboo sticks together, unlocking the door. Uh, I don't know if anybody knew what this challenge was going to be coming into it. Uh, it didn't appear that anybody got some inside knowledge, but it's literally the exact same challenge from the first Edge of Extinction season. The same idea, the same premise, the same you know pieces of it. And this challenge where they have the you know the bamboo pieces tied together and they have to grab the key. This is not new to Survivor. This has been one of the most you know. They've used this this challenge a lot, whether it be with a puzzle or a different ending or whatever the case is. They've used it a lot over the course of Survivor. So this is something that people could, in theory, practice before they get out there. And a lot of people are speculating, well, Rob probably practiced something like this every day. But I would argue that if he did that, where was Amber? Because Amber was way behind. Now, I don't think she ever even got through the gate because um, her bamboo sticks never held. 
Uh, and you get Rob, who's the first one to the snake puzzle, and Jeff, you know, says jokingly, all he's got to do is land that little white ball at the top of this windy track. Uh, I love Kim talking. I love the, the, they have the commentary from the people watching. Um, you know, they did this in season 38 as well. It was pretty brilliant. Joe Anglum over there saying, this is awesome and stuff like that. This was great. I thought this was even better than season 38. They, you know, first they show Kim saying something like, uh, or, you know, I think earlier they even showed Tony, you know, saying how brutal it was for Yule to be digging like that. But now they had Kim, when Rob first starts the puzzle, turning to Wendell and saying, is he good at that? And Wendell just says something like, he's good at everything. Um, which I thought was a nice nod to, you know, their their game respecting the game. Uh, they You know, this the challenge goes on. They don't show you too, too many drops. They show a few drops from a few different angles of some people having a tough time with it. Uh, and then, you know, we start to get towards the end here where Yule is is right with Rob and Tyson's just slightly out ahead of them. And they're both, you know, Yule and Rob are trying to catch up to Tyson. Uh, Tyson gives everybody a heart attack when he's trying to get up the second to last big curve. Um, somehow saved it. Everybody's like, Oh my God, I can't believe he did that. Uh, you know, Yule falls out of it at this point, And then it just comes down to Tyson and Rob around that final corner. Uh, and again, I thought the editing was done great. I thought they did a great job with, you know, this is, uh, this is where, um, you know, they bring in the music, that theme music they've had all season with the, you better be ready. It's coming for you kind of thing. Um, and the two of them are just neck and neck. It appears. And like I said earlier on, I don't know if it was actually as close as they make it look, but boy, did they do a good job editing it too. And, and Sarah's sitting there saying, Oh, Rob's catching Tyson. And, uh, you know, Jeff's narrating Tyson inches away, Rob right on his tail. Um, and it's just, it's brilliant uh, to me. And then you have Tyson, who, of course, ends up dropping the ball in and winning the challenge, um, you know, a couple seconds later, which I thought was awesome. Um, he had a great celebration, you know, pumped up, fist pumping, screaming, gave a gave a Rupert-like roar when he won that, um, that thing, when he finally dropped the ball in. So I was happy for Tyson. Tyson's one of my favorites. Uh, he's always been a guy who, uh, you know, he's always been a guy who I think is uh, a lovable, goofy, you know, he's always been lovable and goofy, but he this season I think it started out of the gate when he, you know, seemed to get emotional about leaving his kids. It's been six and a half, seven years since Tyson played. So while I still think of him as like, you know, a late 20s winner, and you kind of like think of some of these other people maybe a little bit more recent, obviously. But Tyson, to me, is a guy who has been out of the loop in, in as far as playing for a while. Uh, but he is a classic OG. So for him to get back in and show some real emotion, I think he's also showed a lot of maturity and humbleness that's come with the age. Because uh, he had that great one-on-one great, um, -on -one where he's talking about how you know he thought maybe Survivor had passed him by a little bit because he wasn't able to do some of the things that he was when he was younger. Uh, but... It was, uh, you know, it was great to see him win that. And then I also, before we leave the Edge of Extinction Challenge, I love, 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 love Tony's dig at Sandra. I mean, I think Tony, Sandra, and Sarah have some of the best dynamic from their Game Changer season. Um, you know, obviously Tony and Sarah played together before that in Cognon as well. But I thought that it was great what, what happened with the three of them. And I think that their relationship is going to be, you know, a funny one. And it is a funny one. And I thought that Tony... Kind of saying, well, now we know why Sandra... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If she wasn't doing that, that was just another brilliant edit moment and another great Tony edit. Um, that's something that Jake, uh, Jake wanted me to talk about this week. Our fearless commissioner was Tony's edit uh, so far this season and how, you know, just just uh, him in general. And I, I think Tony's been one of the best characters they've had uh, in a long time this season. And... I think he le- he definitely learned from his mistakes that he made in Game Changers, right? Because in Game Changers, he was running around the island and was voted out in the first episode. Uh, technically the second boot, but it was the first episode. And, um, you know, I think he's learned he learned that you I can't do the same thing I did in Kageyan because, first of all, they're not going to let me get that far. And, second of all, uh, I already tried to do it. And they voted me out literally on day four or five, whatever it was. So... He learned, uh, he learned the hard way, but he's back and he's done a great job. He's so funny. I think he's just a, a great, I don't, a great character for this show. And I hate to use these word character because, you know, they're real life people, but to some degree, the edit that we get of them is a character. So, um, you know, Tony has always been a loud, goofy individual. The latter thing this earlier this season was great. Um, you know, he's just, he's not afraid to make people laugh. Uh, and I, I've liked it. I like watching Tony so far this season. He's one of my, been one of my favorite players to watch. Didn't pick him for my tribe because I thought he had a huge target. I still think he has a pretty big target on his back, obviously. But to me, Tony is a uh, is one of the best, and I'm looking forward to watching him finish the uh, finish this season out. Hopefully, strong. Um, and then the other thing Jake wanted me to talk about. One of the other things before I get into uh, the rest of the back half of this episode. Um, is it was Yule. So before we, you know, move on to the rest of the episode, I'll touch on some of the guys from, from Edge of Extinction before we leave. Um, Yule, is he the best person ever to play Survivor? That's a tough one. I mean, obviously all he's doing for Jonathan Penner and his wife are great. The ALS awareness and the money they're raising, um, which is just fantastic. Yule's gotten everybody involved on social media for the most part. Uh, but... it's tough to say is he the best person ever there's been so many people to play the game of survivor he's definitely one of the best people ever to play uh i think he he's definitely one of the uh the strongest players slash best people to ever play because there might be people who've done just as good and noble of things in the world that didn't have as much survivor success so yeah i you know yule winning season 13 which was a eternity ago at this point uh you know almost 13 years ago 13 or 14 years ago um i don't know what he was doing back then but i'm assuming that yule's another person that as he's gotten older and wiser he has become more and more giving and this thing with jonathan is crazy crazy good uh what he's doing to raise awareness and it's awesome too because you don't really think of yule as a guy especially because he talked about the pre-existing relationships being a factor who has many relationships from survivor so it's cool to see that he's stayed in touch with with Penner, who's played a few times over the years, um, and, and now is doing what he's doing for him. So uh, that's that's a fantastic thing to look for. Then I got a, a comment from my dad this week who was wondering, uh, or basically just wanted me to comment on Rob, who is so close to getting back in. I think Rob going back to the edge of extinction is going to have a good chance to, uh, he's going to be there this time for the long haul, right? So if you break it up into two sections of edge of extinction, the first one being this challenge the person who has the most advantage to try and earn as much was was you know natalie and she did rob came in about halfway maybe a little bit more than halfway through and he was still the second most successful person so now that he's there from let's call it the reset of edge of extinction where all these people have spent their tokens um i'm assuming him and natalie will be able to keep those idols to try and you know use later if they get back in uh, maybe they'll be able to sell them. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But my thinking is that Rob now being there with Amber, I think Rob is going to have a real good shot at at least accumulating tokens. And theoretically, if he keeps that idol and he can get some more tokens and buy a big advantage or a few advantages in the final return challenge, he might have the best chance of getting back in. And at that point, if he has an idol and it's final six or final five, whatever it is, I mean, he has as good a shot as anybody's getting the final three. And that's why I think this 
edge of extinction so controversial obviously because if somebody gets back in like chris underwood did on day 35 or 36 you know they haven't really spent much time in the game but i think they're showing that you do have to work hard on the edge of extinction it's not the same thing uh and i do think for a winter's season like this it was a good idea to ultimately do it because you keep a lot of these faces who people love on the screen for as long as possible so yeah i think uh i think rob is a good shot at getting back in um especially now that he's back, you know, reset and a chance. I think if he had gotten voted, if he had got back in now, and let's say he even survived a tribal or two before they voted him out, which he probably would have survived at least one with the idol he has, maybe more, who knows. But let's say he survived a couple, then got voted back out, he probably would have less of an advantage. So I think him being there now gives him the best possible chance to win this game, as odd as that sounds. So anyway, now we're on to the merge feast, and this is where Sarah is kind of asking what happened with Sandra. Denise goes on and tells her war story, uh, you know, makes herself sound really good, which which Sophie notices. Jake had a comment saying, Sophie, most improved player this season. I think that's absolutely true. Sophie, uh, if you remember the first time around that she played, it was when they did the back-to-back Redemption Islands with, first it was Rob versus Russell, the next one was Coach versus Ozzy, and Sophie went with the end with Coach. Um, and I believe they had multiple people at the end there, right? Yeah, she brought Albert as well, who didn't receive any votes. But Sophie won 6-3 uh, over Coach and was, you know, applauded for her social game. To me, she was a she's the type of winner like Wendell was. And, of course, Wendell played in a crazy Ghost Island season where they had all these strange twists and, you know, things from the past that people were trying to write. But in my opinion, her partnerships with Coach and Albert are a lot... The, it's it's very similar to me as Wendell's partnership with Dominic and Laurel, where they were kind of, you know, the silent one behind the operation. Dom was always the one in your face in Ghost Island, you know, despite the fact the two of them voted together all the time, basically. Uh, and Laurel was also much more of a social player than Dom was. So Laurel and Wendell kind of built the relationships, but Wendell made more of the important decisions. And then with, with, uh, with coach and, and Albert, you kind of had two big, you know, egos, so to speak, especially coach and Albert who thought he was the mastermind behind everything. But Sophie was, you know, saying, well, I was the one who developed social relationships and I was in on all this. So, uh, you know, Sophie's definitely, upped her game this season I think she knew she kind of had to step it up a bit and play a little bit more but she has been by far the most improved player this season I think she is uh she's done strides better than anybody I think could have expected her to coming in Uh, especially I think based on our league she's one of the least picked players coming into the season for fantasy survivor purposes so those of you who have her probably doing fairly well um especially if you picked her as a captain because yeah she was she was probably one of the people who coming in I thought would have the least chance of winning. And so far, I think right now, if you ask me who I would vote for if all of them were at the final tribal council, I think Sophie would win by by basis of gameplay or at least be right up there. I mean, Denise obviously has played a very strong game to this point, but I think she's a little bit more in your face. And that's something that Sophie was pointing out to us by saying like, Hey, look, Denise is being in our face about this and everybody can tell now. So she's got a kind of resume that we need to be aware of. Uh, so then they get back to the camp after the feast. Everybody kind of marvels at Wendell, uh, who was able to make this camp a very livable home, uh, during his time on this beach. So they, they have like a swing set. They have a coconut vending machine, they have a great big shelter, much to Adam's delight. Uh, and then you kind of get a little bit of an insight as to what's going on with some of these relationships. Wendell and Jeremy connect, and they had not previously been on a tribe together this season, but they do not do know each other from outside the game, so they kind of have a little bit of a talk uh, about what's going on. Jeremy's very good at doing this, by the way, where he kind of just casually comes up and will ask people about their games and doesn't make it seem like He's getting this crazy information out of you, but he does. And just in his short conversation that we saw with Wendell, Jeremy's able to not only ask, who are you working with? Who are you wary of? And get straight answers. But he asks, is Nick your number one? And Wendell gives him a straight yes. So this is just great by Jeremy, you know, stepping in there, somehow getting information from Wendell in a couple seconds. And obviously, you know, they could have spent a little bit more time together. 
that we didn't see before this. But I just thought Jeremy made a great play there by uh, by figuring out what was going on, the dynamics there. And then you learn that he might be interested in getting Nick out of here so that Wendell could be kind of in his pocket and be his right-hand man instead of having Nick or vice versa, so that Wendell will look at Jeremy that way because Jeremy wants everybody to be his friend. Uh, and then after this, you get a cut of Ben uh, at the water well talking to Tyson about how the big threats should stick together and how maybe they made a mistake uh, when all the threats started getting voted out and kind of spiraled everything. So from there, the two of them agree, and you cut to the scene on the beach where they're now talking with not only the two of them, but they have Tony involved as well, uh, and they're all saying the same thing. We need to keep the big targets here. We're all the big targets. We're already outnumbered. So why don't we try to do it before they realize what's going on? Jeremy's on the beach with them as well. Um, and this is great news for, for the big targets if it works out because guys like Tony are people who are going to start getting targeted right now. And he's been talking about hyenas and lions and all this stuff all season long. And he makes another uh, example of, of Nick being a hyena. He's just waiting for you know us to get rid of each other. And then he jumps in and does whatever at the end. So you have that dynamic there where... They give you uh, they give you a little bit of the that as a teaser for maybe these targets are going to stick together and this is what's going to happen. Um, you know, then they come back from commercial to a very wet tribe, and this season has not been rainy at all, and that's something that you know we haven't seen many reward challenges, but we did see a tarp as an option to buy on the menu, and you know they have. Early on, nobody bought a tarp. It wasn't really raining. This is the first time we've seen any big rain. And this is where Adam makes the comment about being in the cyclone and we're having fun now. Um, you know, some people didn't go through this the first time or even now. And, and they all kind of, they do this every season where they have, you know, a point where it's so bad weather-wise and they show everybody saying, oh, this is it. This is the worst. Uh, I love when Tyson asks, he's talking to Wendell and Nick, so when do people start buying a tarp? Uh, talk about buying a tarp, which is easy for Tyson, who has zero fire tokens to say. Um, but Nick said, or Wendell says something to the effect of, I'm waiting for one of those rich people over there to buy one. Um, but then the three of them start talking shop, start talking a little bit about the game uh, and who they would like to see maybe get voted out. They're talking about Denise being a big, uh, a big target right now. Wendell says, man, get the winners, the people who are playing winners games away from this island. I don't need any of that. And then... You have the brilliant editing again because it's still rainy, it's still awful out, and they have this holding on to the pole immunity challenge that has been a classic of Survivor. And Jeff says, come on in, guys. And the way it's edited, they have Denise walking in first, and after she realizes what the challenge is, she kind of says something, uh, some, uh, some sort of expletive uh, that they bleep out. And it's just funny to see all the different reactions. Half of them are smiling, half of them are, you know, like, are you kidding me? Sophie's literally convulsing because she's so cold in the rain. Uh, it just it shows, like, the realness of the situations that's going on. And I kind of like Ben's comment. She's going to go quick. Sophie actually hung in there for a while once they got on the actual polls. Uh, but this is a fun challenge for me to watch. And I love doing it in returning, challenge, in returning seasons because a lot of times, you know, most of these players have done some of these challenges before. I don't think anybody in this challenge had ever competed in it besides Tyson, who did win it way back in the day. Uh, but I think everybody else, this was a new challenge for them. And I love seeing these classic challenges where people get to compete. So, uh, you know, Jeff uh, makes a comment about how both the women and the men are going to have an opportunity to win immunity this week. It's going to be the first of each. And a tribe of 12, there's seven men. There's five women right now. Uh, so that will, you know, it's not exactly 50-50, but it does give uh, – you know, the women, obviously, a 20% chance of being uh, immune. And the men, it gives them a 1 in 7 shot. Um, and then you, you get ready to go. He also mentions the fire token. You'll each win one fire token if you win this challenge. So that's another incentive. You're wondering how you're going to get more fire tokens into the economy. Here we go. Um, so the challenge begins. And, you know, I'm not going to recap the whole challenge because it's not that exciting, but some highlights from it are definitely the fact that Sophie was able to hang in there for a while. I love the very beginning of it when Adam uh, is saying how scared he is, um, especially after they had just shown him a few moments ago at the camp talking about how the rain wasn't bothering him and how people aren't living yet. 
Uh, and then other, uh, the other parts, Michelle took a big fall. I got worried for a second that maybe they were going to have to call in the medics, but she was okay. Um, and yeah, and then you had the showdowns that came down to Denise and Kim. That was a little bit less of a showdown. Denise ends up pulling it out. Jeremy and Nick was fun uh, because I love the facial reactions. They kind of stared at each other, and Jeff's talking about how you know the two of them are trying to size one another up to see you know who might be the one to go first, and uh, and Jeremy's looking at at Nick with with a uh, you know with a serious face, and Nick kind of gives him a grin, and then Jeremy's staring back at him, and then Nick just kind of laughs, and it's just funny how they edit that all together. Uh, and then if you're watching, obviously you saw Jeremy win the immunity idol. So Jeremy and and Denise both win the necklaces. They're both going to be safe. They both get a fire token out of it. Um, and uh, in the end, they're both two people who may have been targeted. We heard Denise's name get brought up earlier in the episode, and now uh, they are safe. So, you know, obviously they're going to have to make a different call um, when it comes to voting somebody out. So they get back to camp after the immunity challenge, and uh, there's there's no real discussions of, of the strategy right away but then there's a couple people talking about doing a wood run where tony and jeremy and ben the bigger guys go out for another talk um you know ben this is funny this is another great example of the editing they they're talking about how nick sneaks up on everybody's conversations and they don't like that because at this point they're basically thinking nick or wendell let's let's try and do nick or wendell jeremy who obviously we saw uh campaigning for wendell earlier wants to keep wendell in the game so He's thinking he's trying to sell Wendell as a higher priority threat like they are. When in reality, I think that Tony and Ben kind of look at Wendell as like a second tier threat. Um, but, you know, Jeremy's trying to sell him because obviously he wants to keep a closer relationship with him. And this is something that Jeremy can get away with for now because he does have the uh, the immunity necklace. But this is where Adam or excuse me, where Nick starts butting in on everybody's conversations, they keep showing it, and that's kind of the selling point they use for why Nick might be the right guy to go with because, you know, he can't let people just be alone without having to butt in and figure out what, what's going on. Uh, so Jeremy then goes to Nick and tries to figure out what he's thinking, and then nicknames Adam. So we start to get this, uh, this sense of it's going to be either Nick or Adam uh, kind of kind of narrative being pushed and the two of them are talking with everybody else about it and that's the you know what we start to see is being pushed as the narrative uh but eventually i think everybody always looks for a turning point and this is another example of sophie's greatness she i think was the first one to be like ah (coughs) excuse me sophie was the first one i think to be like you know what I'd rather it be Wendell because I don't think either one of them are going to work with me. But if I had to choose, I think it would be more likely to be be Nick. The interesting thing here is that, remember, Sophie sort of had an original alliance with them when they were on the original tribe with Yule. But after they vote Yule out, I think she's looking at them as threats to her game. So she's like, you know what? I'd rather take out Wendell than Nick. So you start to get that back. And then we start to see... Jeremy and Ben and Tony and all these people who were talking about let's do uh let's do Nick let's do Adam they start saying Wendell so you're like wait a minute is it gonna be Wendell now and I think Jeremy ultimately what happened here was he had to kind of take a back seat and say you know what I can't be too pushy about this because even though I do have immunity right now um you know it's not gonna be something I have forever so I can't just keep pushing this because eventually they're going to get suspicious of me and vote me out, uh, you know, next time because I was pushing so hard to keep Wendell. So I think eventually Jeremy came to his senses and kind of concluded that the best op- the best option for him would be to, uh, would be to, you know, go with Wendell, but it didn't help. It didn't stop him from trying to get one last push in there to switch the vote to Adam from Nick. He tries to pivot everything. He's saying, well, if, People would rather do uh, Wendell than Nick. Maybe I can get them to do Adam instead of Wendell. And, you know, Denise was probably the biggest conversation he needed to have because Denise and Adam were so tight. But Denise said she's cool with it. So at that point, you kind of have like a real 
actual chance that Adam might get voted out. So we went from seeing Nick in the mix to them saying, no, we want Wendell, and then Jeremy trying to switch it back to Adam. Adam gets paranoid, confronts Sophie saying, you know, I, you know, I, I wish, I hope it's not me. Please tell me if it's going to be me. Adam looks very paranoid in his uh, testimonial, uh, his confessional. Gets very upset with Ben because he's saying, why is Ben upset when I'm the one coming to him trying to find out a name? I'm the one trying to stay alive. He's like, I don't get it. Like, why is he mad at me? And then uh, basically I think the way it's explained to Adam is, no, you're getting paranoid because you see everybody trying to decide between Wendell and Nick, not between you uh, and anybody. So don't worry about it. But in reality, I think he did end up knowing it was between him and Wendell because he says that when uh, – when he goes up to vote. So they bring in the jury at, at the um, at tribal council. Jeff brings them all in. Talks to Tyson first. About not wanting to go back to the edge. They kind of kind of hit the narrative that I was wondering about. Where we didn't really hear Tyson's name get brought up at all. As a threat to be voted out in this episode. Uh, which is sort of surprising. Because a lot of times. The person who comes back from. Whether it be the edge of extinction. Or redemption island. Or whatever these twists have been in years past has been a target almost instantly. And on top of that, you had the whole old school thing that gets factored in, but you have Tony saying and Sophie saying that, no, he's not a threat right now. Uh, especially Tony goes into, you know, the dynamics of the game have changed and we don't necessarily want to vote him out for the same reasons we did last time. And then, uh, yeah. So after that, you have Denise being asked about why this vote is so important, why having immunity is so important. And she basically says, it's a defining vote, and I mean, Jeff kind of questions that to a degree. He, he pivots it to Wendell, saying, there's still 12 people here. Is this really a defining vote? And Wendell does a good job of saying, yeah, it'll show some things, but something that you'll kind of hit on earlier in the season was, you know, these are people that we might have to work with again at some point if we get back into the game, so this is different than a typical season of Survivor where you might go down swinging with everything and saying this and that and this and that, to try and get them to save you, because in reality, if you're a sour grape and they vote you out, and you don't respect that, like later on, you have no chance of working with these people again, or in the respect if they're ending up on the jury and you do get back in. So I think everybody's had to keep that in mind throughout uh, as well. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just a matter of of who they were going to vote out at this point. And they, they do a good job with the editing here too. Cause they, they bounce around asking people, uh, you know, about checking in for the vote and, and how they feel about not being in the loop and a loop. And I think Sophie puts it the right way is the hardest part about survivors. You have to be okay with not being in on everything, uh, because you can't look paranoid. And, you know, they showed Nick talking about this as well. And Nick, Makes a comment about how he always wants to check in. There's a couple chuckles because of the the Nick edit from this episode where he's been crashing in on people's conversations com- constantly. Um, you know, you have Sarah talking about how in seasons past, uh, you know, you could see the punch coming, and this season it's been different because every time they have conversations, nobody really knows if it's a real conversation or not. Uh, you know, Jeff asks about is it going to be a, such a thing that. A shorter conversation can be counted as what the game plan is. And, and, you know, Adam says, yeah, it can just be a matter of of walking by somebody and saying plan A, plan B, plan C. And, like, you don't even know if you had a real conversation. But in the end, this vote ends up coming down to Adam and Wendell. Adam says it when he goes up to vote for Wendell. He says it's between you and me tonight. And I don't know if you know that, but I do know it. Um I think Tony's been somebody who's been pointed at as a as a big uh, big carrier of of the theme at times this year. And Jeff sets him up with the caginess question, um, you know, about the type of play. And he says, you know, everybody's just trying to go with the flow right now. It's like a current. Uh, everybody doesn't want to disrupt the current because if you try to swim against the flow, you know, you're not going to be able to go with it. But Jeff says, you know, nobody knows which way the current's going. Is the tide coming in? Is it going out? Uh, and then it's time to vote. So then they go up and vote. And as I was just mentioning a moment ago, you have it come down to Adam and Wendell here. Wendell, in the end, gets shocked and, and voted out. Blindside, baby. And Michelle and Nick are the two that it appears were not in on it. Uh, they, you know, look at each other and kind of say, did you know? And Michelle says no to Nick when he asks him that. Wendell guesses right after he leaves tribal council and says 
uh, and gives his fire tokens to Nick and Michelle, gives them each one. Um, so he was correct in guessing that, uh, that they were the ones who were not in on it. So even though Jeremy pushed hard to keep Wendell in, he ended up making the play that he felt was best for his game, which was voting out Wendell. He didn't want to push too, too strong for a guy who was not one of his top, um, top allies. So yeah, I mean, this episode was a good episode. The season's been great so far. Um, and I, I'm interested to see where we go from here. Uh, you know, next episode, it looks like Nick and Sarah kind of get into it a little bit um, <clears throat> with some of the previews that we saw. So it, it should be fun to see how Wendell's dynamic on the edge of extinction is. And now you're going to get some of these newer school players who are going to be voted out because they've been in the game this entire time. And, uh, and yeah, and now they're going to start getting voted out as well because it's really all they have left. So, you know, what else... Uh, what else is there to say? I had some other some other submissions here about things to talk about, so we'll hit on some of those uh, before we get out of here. But Mo wanted to know also about is the general strategy this season to lay low? I think it has been and it will be at times, but I also think um, you're going to see some big moves being made down the stretch here. I think you have to. I think uh, I think it's only a matter of time before we see Tony and Ben. And players like that who are used to going out and looking for idols, I think it's only a matter of time before they resume those activities. So I would not be surprised at all to see them start looking for idols um, and to try and get back in back in the game mode a little bit because it has been slow at, at times. And I think that's been because of the other question that Mo asked about Denise and was it too early for the gameplay. I think people have been worried that they didn't want to make a move too early because they don't want to be considered a big threat. But... It's interesting how the dynamics of Survivor have changed over time historically. You have, I look at as the Joe Anglum era, era the, uh, the 30s, where Joe Anglum came back a few times to play Survivor and was never able to get going because he was the biggest threat out there. But now you have other people who look at threats and say, I'm a threat, I want to keep the biggest threats until later because they are a threat shield. So... That's kind of what we've moved towards in, in at least this season as well. Everybody out there is a threat, though, because they've all won the game. So, you know, in the end, who ends up winning is going to be all, one out of 20 threats. I guess at this point it's 19 because Sandra's gone, so we know she's not going to win. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's only going to get better. I think the gameplay will get better. Um it's going to be interesting to see how they, they divide up and what the dynamics are. Because, I mean, you have so many different angles here. I'm kind of shocked that nobody has really wanted to break up Sarah and Tony yet, which maybe that's coming. Uh, you know, they've played three times each. All three times were together. Uh, Sarah also is somebody who she's played brilliantly. And I think something that has not been pointed out, at least not I haven't seen it, is that Sarah won a season titled game changers and while there was some you know some backlash about how all the best players from that season were voted out early and all the you know there was some filler players there who maybe made it to the end you could still i mean that that cast still had 14 i would say bona fide survivor players and sarah still beat them all so she has an advantage in the fact that she has won an all returner season um and not only won an all-returner season, but a season in which they dubbed Game Changers with some of the best players of all time, uh, who and some of them had won before. You know, you had JT there, you had Sandra there, so it was it was a matter of of uh, of, San, of Sarah being in a situation like this. So she's already had a returning season win, and you know maybe she's sort of trudging towards that again. Um, but she's been one of my favorite favorites to watch. I, my player of the week this week, which is something I'm going to start doing, I think I'm going to have to give it to Tyson this week because, you know, getting back into the game on its own was a big enough, um, a big enough accomplishment. But on top of that, you also had the fact that uh, you also had the fact that he didn't get voted out. He wasn't really talked about for getting voted out. So I give him a lot of credit for getting back in and kind of reestablishing himself quick enough that it turned into being a, uh, a situation where um, where he wasn't going to get voted out. So I'll give Tyson the player of the week this week. 
some other, you know, good good options as well. Sophie's always been considered. I think she's the one who really probably turned the vote back around on Wendell ultimately. Um, yeah, but other than that, we'll have to see. I, I mean, yeah, I don't want to sound too repetitive, so I'm not going to keep going on and on and on, but I, I have loved what has happened so far this season. I'm very excited to see what happens the rest of the way. Um, and I'm hoping that we get some more great gameplay. I, I'm hoping this next episode coming up here in a couple days is good. It's good to have the distraction away from what's going on in the world right now with all the craziness that's surrounding the COVID-19 spreading. So, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to have a little fun with this league. Um, and on top of that, I'm trying to have a little bit more content for people to check out if they're interested throughout the week. So this was the first one. Hopefully I'll have some guests throughout the rest of the season. Uh, also might end up doing after this season is a rewatch season where obviously I've seen most of them recently enough that I know what happened, but I'll, I might watch, uh, you know, just some of the better historical seasons. And if you have seen them, great. If you haven't, if you want to rewatch along and maybe listen to the podcast, talk about the gameplay, might do that. But for now we're having fun. We're going to have fun with these final, uh, the final episodes over the next month and a half or two months of this season. Um, and yeah. Uh, you can email or send audio questions, comments, uh, anything like that that you might want played on the podcast or just talked about on the podcast. You can send those to URC, that's the letter U, the letter R, the letter C, fantasysurvivor at gmail.com. It stands for Ultimate Reward Challenge, which is the name of our league. You can also use the spreadsheet that uh, the, the question spreadsheet that Jake sent out in the email this week, which he'll send out. Again, after the episode on Wednesday, um, and that will be available to you to post a question in there, post a thought in there. Again, if it's an audio file that you want played or even for me to just listen to because you can explain it better than just record it and send it via the email. Uh, But either way, yeah, let me know what you guys think, what's going on with the season. Let me know what your thoughts are, and uh, I guess we'll see you next time. I got nothing for you until then. Thanks for joining me on Worth Potting For.